everyone, and welcome to Minute 128 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Simon of the Movie Mustache. Welcome back to the show, Simon. Thank you very much. Great to be back. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've had some nice discussions. Indeed. And, and we're going to continue with them. Episode 128 begins with uh, Henley and, and Blythe arriving at the train station. And Roger and Mac begin advancing towards a train. As we discussed yesterday, a number of the POWs end up at the train station. They're all trying to figure out, you know, how long they have to wait for the next train to show up and get out inconspicuously. So we, we saw yesterday Ashley Pitt, and we saw Roger and, and Mac, and we saw Kevin just briefly. And at this point, we, we get to see Henley show up with Blythe. If, just to remind everyone, Henley... Uh, chose to, to help Blythe get through the, the escape because he lost his vision. So he's basically holding on to him. The two of them walk across the the train tracks in order to move towards where the train the next train is going to come. Then we get another shot of Roger and Mac, and they, 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 they look away quite uneasily. I, th- I think at this point Roger is thinking to himself, I probably should not have let Blythe come along. You know, he sees that, that they, they stick out like a sore thumb. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Uh, it's it's the, the the struggle that, in a situation like that, where you want as many people to escape and you want them to have the best chance, but you also recognize that they're still human and, and you can understand why Blythe would want to get out, even in his predicament, losing his vision. Um, and And... You know, we are emotional beings, and sometimes we give in to that emotion and then turn around and chastise ourselves for for, for being so emotional or, or responding to our emotions. Right, for making such a decision that exactly. we were a little unsure of at the time, and we still don't know whether it's the right one or not. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Basically, we, we get a lot of shots of, of the various prisoners walking around, you know, through through the train station. I, I like that they, they show Henley. Basically, Blythe is leading Henley because Blythe is walking first, but Henley has his arm under his arm. I, I, what, I, I find this interesting because in general, at least nowadays, when you, when, when you see people who have vision issues, they basically, they're the ones who... They're the, they're they're holding the arm of someone else, as opposed yes. to someone holding their arm. So it's sort of it looks here as if Blythe is actually leading Henley, as opposed to yeah. vice versa with with the way that it does it, that he does it. Now he's he's holding him in a way that that he's trying to make sure that he doesn't misstep along the way and stumble or anything like that. But it it just looks a little interesting the way that they they do it. And I love how in order to stop him, he he grabs the yeah. jacket like very. Yep. Very firmly, basically, you know, like he's he's uh, stepping on the brakes. You know, that that's what it looks like. Yeah. Get another shot of Ashley Pitt still reading the paper, looking over at them, and he, he like pulls puts down. He moves his his glasses down the bridge of his nose a little bit. It reminds me of you know like when you see in the different Superman movies, you know, where he mm-hmm. where Clark Kent slowly you know, moves his uh, his glasses down so that he can use his heat ray vision to to do something. So it looks yep. like Ashley Pitt's about to do that. He's about to go burn someone with his... Uh... <laughs> Scorning look. Exactly. Then we get a look at Nemo and Hayes standing and waiting for the train, you know, uh, reminding everyone that Haynes is actually the, you know, wearing the, the German uniform. And then you have, yeah, yeah. you know, Nemo standing there in what looks like a, some sort of worker's outfit, you know, also waiting for the, the train to, to show up. So it, I, I like the contrast where we get to see the various characters who we've gotten to know over the course of, of this movie 
actually show up at the train station and we get to see how each of them are trying to go about getting away, even though they're all pretty much in the same place. I, I wonder if this was done yeah. more, you know, as a more efficient way of showing all the characters at one place instead of instead of trying to jump back and forth by by various other characters, you know, trying other methods. Yeah, quite possibly. I, it, on the one hand, it's effective because it shows everyone there, but it may, it shows that they're they're a little too crowded here at this because mm-hmm. the train station looks pretty deserted, also. This isn't a bustling train yeah. station. If if I remember correctly, they mentioned that this was this was like a, supposed to be a Sunday morning or something like that. I, I guess not. Then many people are, are traveling, so therefore having too many uh, escape prisoners walking around is probably not yeah. the smartest thing to do. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> I, I know reading about it, I was struck by because obviously they get to in in the real thing. A lot of them got to train stations more in the middle of the night, and I, I was thinking you're going to be standing around waiting for it, but no, but apparently even even at night, the trains running around Nazi-occupied Europe were very busy with uh, labourers and workers all being shipped around. They all had to have lots of paperwork, of course, and uh, I was struck by how, in contrast to the movie, the stations were actually quite busy, even though it was 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So the, the way they shoot it in the film is, yeah, it's like you say, it's... The, the, there is an element of crowd to the station, but it's all the POWs. There is not really anyone else around un, until just before the train leaves. At this point, Henley gives, gives a little bit of narration both to us and to Blythe at the same time by saying, half the guys who missed the trains are piled up in the station. And then he goes, Ashley Pitt, Roger, McDonald, Nemo makes quite a group. <laughs> Which, again, this, this is a little more exposition to remind people of who, who all these characters are and what they're all doing you know, at the train station. By, by using a blind man to, to use that as the excuse to, 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 to tell us things that anyone can, can see with their own eyes. You know. <laughs> and Plaid's response to that is, well, what do we do? And then Henley just matter-of-factly says, well, <laughs> we're going to wait for the train. You yeah. know, like, what, what are his right other options? <laughs> Exactly. You look more incon- you look more conspicuous if you arrive at a station, stand on the platform, and then just bugger off. Exactly. Completely. You better better off going with it. Yeah. You know, you see you see people walking around with children in the background. You see different you know soldiers and and policemen and stuff like that. So that, that they, they do a nice job, even though we mentioned earlier that that the train station itself is not completely packed. But we still get get a, a clear idea of the various type of people that are traveling at this point during the day. So th- that helps, you know, add to the realism of the whole thing also. And then Roger and Max start looking around also. Then they're, they're, you see their ears perk up and they, they abruptly look look to the side because they see that the, they hear and see that the train is actually showing up. And then you have... I was going to say that must be like the greatest sound ever. One of those moments where it's like... Oh, thank God the train's here. Well, this minute actually has amazing sound because the music is... I mean, the music throughout the entire movie is, is amazing. But in this particular minute, they, yeah. they... You know, none of these characters have very much to say. I think I think within this entire minute, we only have that conversation between Henley and Blythe, that very short conversation. Besides that, there's no dialogue right. whatsoever. But the entire minute is, is driven by Elmer Bernstein's score, mm. which helps give so much more weight... To this particular scene, because uh, it, 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 it adds to the tension. It's the actual atmosphere. Yeah. Yes, it, it, there's a, you can actually feel the atmosphere, the, the tension in it. 
of them all standing there waiting. Exactly, because they don't know when the train is supposed to come or whatever, you know, and or where it's going. Exactly. <laughs> and it always makes me think of the um, Scarlett Johansson's quote in uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, where she says, uh, first rule of running, don't run, walk. And every time I hear her say it, I, I, I think, yep, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, it's so counterintuitive. And you can see that in all of their performances. Like you said, there's no dialogue. You've just got that brilliant score and and then looking scared, worried, sheepish. And it is that, that instinct. Every part of you inside will be like, run, run. We're going to get away as far as possible. But you can't do that because that's how you will draw attention to yourself. You have to push that instinct down and, and resist it and just try and stand and wait patiently which which they do they're all standing that they, they might be yes. a little uneasy here and there but especially if you look at haynes and and nemo they're, they're standing there uh, haynes is standing at attention you know they're, they're yes they 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 know how much they want to run to the train but they they also at the same time as you said they they know that they they need to to keep it cool haynes haynes i found interesting because on the one hand he is in full uniform as a, a member of the military, but he hasn't got any weaponry, so he doesn't look like he's on duty, even though he's standing to attention. So it's not like he's on guard duty or anything. But then he doesn't have a bag either, so he doesn't look like a a, a soldier traveling, if that, if that makes sense. He, he kind of sort of halfway in between both. So what what do you think is his is the ruse that he's trying to? I, I, this is what I was wondering about it because you see him standing there by by the tracks and he's standing at attention. But as I say, he's not armed, so he's clearly not in a guard position, because if he was in a guard position, he would be armed in occupied Poland, where it's supposed to be. And at the same time, he hasn't got a bag. If, if, he, was, if he had a bag, it would almost look like he was being transferred from one post to another, or, or he's going home on leave, something like that. And, and that was just one thing that, that struck me, because he hasn't got anything. He kind of looks like he's halfway between the two. Right, now I was trying to think about what, he, what maybe he's... like. Let's say he was—he's like a, a cook or something, being being you know, sent by train to go pick up stuff for the for the kitchen. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like trying to think of uh, you know. He, he apparently must have some sort of cover story. You know, if he gets caught by yes. someone and they say they're going to start asking him questions, so he needs to say what it is that he's doing. You know, why? Mm. I, not every military soldier is going to walk around with a gun. That's fine. But the fact that he doesn't have a bag, as you pointed out is much more conspicuous. Yeah, yeah. this is one thing that struck me when I saw him standing there. I mean, I, I, he obviously, like you say, he has a cover story, and he's wearing a German uniform. He's wearing a very good uniform. So we know he's not one of the... They had different grades of escapers, and the, the low rungs on the totem pole, basically, were the guys who didn't speak German or Polish or anything, or French. So they they were given not so good paperwork, not so good disguises, and they are actually known as hard asses because their ch their challenge was the greatest. The chances of them actually escaping were so slim, and uh, so he obviously does have the ability. He, we know he does because he's interviewed by Matt. Right. So we know he's got some German under him. They also wouldn't put him in a German uniform if he couldn't speak German. That would that would draw attention immediately. But uh, yeah, it just it just struck me that he he has a uniform on and that's it. He doesn't really have a developed cover, right? Is, or that we know is it of anyway. Possible that he has a dangle the ground that we just can't see. Maybe 
Maybe that's that's a good point because we see him only from the the top of his boots. Yeah, and I don't think that even in the later minutes we get to see him actually board the train. Well, we'll have to see later in the week whether whether he actually yeah is the one who boards the train. Hmm. Interesting. And then the train shows up again. They're all still waiting patiently, watching. The, the, the train go by, and then we go back to the uh, train station where we, we see two motorcycles show up, followed by two heavily armored cars. I, I, I found that the the uniforms of these two uh, first soldiers, the soldiers at the beginning, you know, on the motorcycles, mm-hmm. they look very strange. They look more like they're World War One uniforms than World War Two because they have strange emblems on the helmets. Okay. Yeah, no, not really sure how that actually plays out, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to see them a little more tomorrow. So maybe we can discuss that a little bit more. And yeah. as as these cars show up, so Roger, you know, notices that's going on, and he wants to get out of there as quickly as possible. He pats Mac on the shoulder, and the two of them move onward towards the train. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute, Simon? No, no, I think we covered it pretty well. All right. So I want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at movie underscore mustache, and you can also find my site, the movie mustache at moviemustache.com. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you may be using to listen to the show. You can go and visit our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And our Twitter account is greatescapemxm. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.